Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. After the final buzzer sounds, we're here to wrap it up. Why not? You're Steph Curry! It's time for Warriors Wrap Up on 95.7. The game. Warriors Wrap Up is presented by Realtor.com, the home of home search. John Dickinson and Matt Kolsky in our San Francisco studios. And, Matt, it was a a decent, albeit an ugly, first quarter for the Warriors where they actually had a 23-20 lead. But, man, the second quarter was not pretty. The Dubs get outscored 29-17. And then the third quarter was worse for the Golden State Warriors as they are outscored 27-13 in route to a 104 79 loss at the hands of the Atlanta Hawks, who had lost 10 consecutive games and 13 of 14. No Draymond Green tonight and no ball movement, a whole lot of turnovers and just ugly, ugly, ugly play for the nine-man Warriors. What was the turnover number that they used to talk about with the the championship teams? Was it 16? Yeah. I think they used to say 16 or fewer, we feel okay. Yeah. Anywhere, More than 16. Yeah, around 15, I think, was, yeah. But yeah. same difference. They turned it over 17 times between the second and third quarter alone. And, I mean, those are the quarters that lost this game, quite obviously. The, the embarrassing quarters of basketball where you were more or less doubled up over the course of two quarters by a bad basketball team. And I watching tonight, this was as disappointing an effort I thought as we've seen from the Warriors and I don't know if we say some of it is losing Draymond Green again or just the lack of ball handlers in general but sort of all the things they've done over the last five games to make us feel good about a one and four record in those games none of it showed up tonight in a game that really if it had, they could win. And and this is part of the reason why I'm a little reluctant and, and uncomfortable, although we all understand the circumstances. It's why I'm a little more uncomfortable when a game like last night, you have it right there and a chance to win, turns into a loss, and then in, in some ways it's almost applauded. Like, well, com- you know, good effort, competitive loss. You keep bringing that effort, you're going to win your share of games a- along the way enough to at least keep the competitive spirit going. But tonight is just kind of that quintessential game that happens a lot to most bad teams. Right. Now, the Warriors haven't had that happen to them as much. Like you said, they've been, I think, for the most part competitive, but there have been very few games against other teams with a similar record to theirs where it's just been ugly and and looked like it has tonight. So uh, tonight when it happens against Dallas. It feel it, it's there's an element of but, well, what are you going to do? But when it happens after you play well against a team that's a little bit better than the Hawks, yeah, and, and the Hawks come in as a, a team that that hadn't been able to beat anybody. And I think the most disappointing aspect of tonight's game is just the fact that look, Atlanta gives up 119 points per game. Yeah. And they don't really defend anybody. And tonight it was a lot of one-on-one play and just lack of ball movement. And that's and, why I and wonder. No shot making. Yeah. And I, and look, we know these guys are not shot makers if they have to go one-on-one with one exception. And who's that? Eric Pascal. And what did he do? 
9 for 11. This is exactly what I'd expect it to look like if the Warriors play one-on-one basketball all night. Eric Paschal scores, and everyone else struggles horribly, particularly, and, and you know, no offense to him, but a guy like Glenn Robinson III, who's been really solid all year this year because he's been getting all his offense in the flow of ball movement because he's been focused more on defense. And I don't want to point a finger at him more than anyone else tonight, but when it breaks down into one-on-one basketball, it just, they don't have guys for that. And this is what it's going to look like. And it's really disappointing to see, particularly in one of your more winnable games. 888-957-9570-888-957-9570. If you want to weigh in on this one, Warriors with one of their uglier losses of what is now a 4-18 and beginning of the season in the first 22 games, feel free to chime in via the phone lines there. It is Warriors wrap-up with John Dickinson and Matt Kolsky here on 95.7 The Game. Uh, Chilton Auto Body text line uh, open, as always. If you want to shoot us a text, we will try and comment on that as the Warriors will continue this trip uh, after Draymond Green and Steve Kerr, and it sounds like Bob Myers and Joe Lacob all join and maybe Draymond. Some players, too, it sounds like. Yeah, in East Lansing, Michigan, for Draymond's jersey retirement at Michigan State tomorrow. I kind of wonder if Steph will be there, because it— I don't believe he's on the trip. No, he hasn't been allowed to travel yet. And I and I know it, it might get a little tricky with the timeline. He, he still, my understanding, has to have that surgery where he gets the pins removed before yep. he's going to be Gotta able have to travel. Out. But to your point, it does sound like it's going to be more than just Steve Kerr and Bob Myers and Joe Lacob. It sounds like if, if others can make it, they're certainly going to try to while the team heads for Charlotte and they'll take on the Hornets in a ball game that you can hear right here Wednesday afternoon and evening on 95.7 The Game. Yeah, and I mean, I think what you have to say is you hope that that can wipe the taste of what we just watched out of everyone's mouths for another reasonably winnable basketball game. I mean, probably on paper tougher than the one you just lost in ugly fashion, but the Hornets are no great shakes, and the Warriors should have on Wednesday night their most complete roster since opening night or or since October anyway. So hopefully that's enough to, cause I, I think, I think you're right. And I may be more generally willing to accept the, the lovable losing than you are. Yeah. But I absolutely think you're right. And we talked about it in the pregame. Steve Kerr has said it aloud that it is important to grab a win here yeah. and there. You got to get enough wins to where you can still have games like tonight every once in a while and it doesn't Bingo. spiral into something completely ugly to where it starts to affect the culture and, exactly. and maybe to you where, can't get it back. Or even just to where the, it affects the culture and you don't get the progression you want out of the young guys yeah, you have. There's you, just a, it, there's a fine line between when and it, whenever, and this is why I'm, I'm hesitant and I get it, that it's the story of this season in many ways. It's, it's going to be losing. Competitive losses yeah. and a lot of the fan base believing, hey, losses are wins because of draft positioning and those you know things that the organization may, you know, some may think about on a nightly basis. Uh, but the players and the coaching staff are going out there, obviously, and trying to win and compete on a nightly basis. They don't want to hear anything about that, and Steve Kerr's even addressed that to a certain extent. But where I'm a little just uncomfortable with it is when 
you let a few of the games that you have opportunities to win, again, a, a mark of a, a, a under-talented, shorthanded basketball team, but when you let a few slip away and then you start to have games like tonight where teams are really circling you on the calendar as the way to cure their ills, like the Hawks, who hadn't won a game in, in weeks, and in nearly a month. You've basically got another one of those on Wednesday, because let me tell you about the Hornets' recent issues. They're four and eleven in their last fifteen. No, and they had a, they had they got way behind tonight to, at home against Phoenix, and then actually had I think a five point lead in the final minute and, and lost, lost it. it by five. Yeah. So they started four and three. Remember that when the Warriors first played them, they were kind of rolling. They're four and eleven since then, and this is the craziest part. <laughs> Those four wins, one is against the Knicks, who might be the worst team in basketball. Do you know who the other three are against? Uh, Charlotte's wins. All the Pistons. Okay. They've played the Pistons somehow three times in their last, like, 12 games, yeah, and I... they've won all of them. But other than that, they're getting killed by everybody. Wow. They have lost to the Bulls, the Wizards. I mean, it is – and the, the Suns just now, it's ugly. The Grizzlies beat them. Charlotte has really been bad. And they're also going to be looking at the Warriors thinking, boy, we could sure use a win over somebody besides Detroit. And and here it comes to town on Wednesday night. And and you can put Chicago in that category as well, not yeah, to exactly. get too far down the line. I mean, Chicago already lost to the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were more competitive in Portland, although they got beat. They're playing Sacramento tonight. And that has not started uh, well. So, yeah, <laughs> Chicago's going to be in a position where they're coming off a trip and, and going to have the Warriors in their building and probably looking for a little bit of revenge. Let's get to... The Steve Kerr press conference following this ball game tonight in Atlanta. And the Steve Kerr press conference is brought to you by Kia. Felt like we've really competed hard, competed well all year long. And uh, tonight was uh, definitely an, an exception to that rule. We, we did not perform out there. I thought we were uh, we were playing for ourselves out there instead of playing for each other. We were trying to dribble um, dribble through traffic instead of moving the ball on. Um, everybody was trying to make a play instead of letting the next guy make a play, and uh, we got frustrated and we just uh, we didn't have any kind of rhythm or flow to the game. And, uh, and then I thought Atlanta really punished us for our mistakes and, and played well. What do you think of Looney? Yeah, I think it was just, um, you know, just trying to get him back in shape. You know, he he, uh, he, he got tired quickly, as we expected, uh, given how, how long he's been out. And so this is just about him, you know, trying to trying to find his rhythm again. With a young team, you know, and going through a difficult season, how do you keep the morale up or the spirits up? Well, I mean that's uh, that's the challenge because it's it's not easy for anybody to uh, to lose, especially given that our team has fought really hard uh, throughout the first quarter of the season and had some really difficult close losses, and um, it wears on you. You know, you you just you know you 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 want to you want those uh, efforts to be rewarded, and. Um, you know, you, you you have to keep the faith, and you just got to keep keep fighting. And that's my job to keep keep their spirits up and turn it around. Any um, I guess feelings on Trey Young? How impressive this is the second season? You know, he took a big step. Any uh, or I should say, how impressive is he to you? 
Well, he drew a lot of our attention. You know, we, we blitzed him quite a bit and, and uh, tried to take the ball out of his hands. And, and um, you know, what that does is it makes you vulnerable in other areas. So, you know, he impacted the game in a big way. Yeah, I thought the Warriors actually early on in the game, they blitzed Trey Young and, and had some success with it. Uh, but really what became an issue was the offense, I thought, for the Warriors led to bad defense. I mean, the, the one-on-one play, bad shots, and then all of the misses allowed the Hawks to really get out in, in transition and, and, and get into their offense a little bit quicker and, and, and just have some, some easier shots. Uh, one of those cases where, yeah, good defense can lead to good offense. I thought bad offense led to, to poorer defense uh, overall for the Warriors, but it's still a night where – you know, the Hawks only score 104, and they wind up blowing the Warriors out. Yeah. And, and, I mean, Steve Kerr said what we said at the beginning of the show, right? This was a bunch of guys who decided for whatever reason. And and maybe this is the danger of a team that feels like it's overmatched talent-wise every night getting a matchup that they feel like they can beat the other guys man-to-man is – all of a sudden, everyone started trying to beat their guy man-to-man, and they stopped doing all the things that made them competitive for the last week and a half. And that's that's disappointing not just because it turns into an ugly loss in a game you could have won. It's also disappointing because, I mean, the hope is that in the long term, these guys are going to take the things they've learned about playing together and pulling the rope the same direction and moving the ball in a lost year and be able to apply them successfully in minutes that matter in a year that hopefully is not lost in the future. 888-957-9570-888-957-9570. It's John Dickinson and Matt Kolsky. Warriors wrap-up brought to you by Realtor.com, the home of home search. The Warriors fall tonight in Atlanta. Hawks beat the Warriors for their first win in 11 games and just the second win for Atlanta in the last 15 games as the Hawks win tonight, 104-79. to We got your call of the game coming up. Uh, we're also going to hear from Eric Paschal and Kai Bowman. Following this one, it's Warriors wrap-up on 95.7 The Game. Now, back to Warriors wrap-up on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson, Matt Kolsky, and you at 888-957-9570, Warriors fall tonight. They lose to the Hawks. It's 104-79, the finals of the Dubs. Now 4-18 and with two games to go on this five-game road trip. Warriors now 0-3 with Charlotte and Chicago ahead. Really, it was uh, a lot of Eric Paschal tonight and then not much else for anybody. Paschal, 9 of 11 24 points. He had nine boards and six assists. He was a playmaker at times for the Warriors early in this game, in addition to being an efficient shot maker. I liked what I saw in 36, almost 37 minutes from Kai Bowman, yeah. uh, but it was a night where rough one for Glenn Robinson, the third again, as he was 0 for 7 in the first half, wound up 3 for 12. Alec Burks, uh, not knocking the ball down uh, as he had been 5 for 16. It was a lot of Pascal and then a whole lot of just inefficient, not quality offensive play tonight. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, again, this is just, this is not a team that has the talent, no matter who they're playing, to 
play iso ball. You know, I, I, I think Steve Kerr would tell you no team should be playing iso ball as much as the Warriors did tonight, but certainly not one with this little talent, certainly not one who we talked before the game specifically about how few ball handlers there were on this team. You know a good way to avoid having to dribble the ball? You pass the ball. Right. And I, I actually asked Lucas Alexander, uh, producer of the upcoming show, to look something up for me. The last time the Warriors had more turnovers than assists, do you know when that was? Boy, that's a good question. Uh, no. Crazily enough, it was actually game four of the Western Conference Finals. Okay. When they lost it, like in the 90s. The last time they had a deficit this big, which minus six, was 2016. Wow. This is, I mean, that is as atrocious a ball security and ball movement game as this team has played in literally years, which it, is disappointing. It's disappointing considering the fact that you're playing a team that, that hadn't won a game in nearly a month. And that and is, is noted for its lack of defense. Currently, yeah, the the worst defensive team in the NBA as far as uh, points per game goes. Right. So, and yeah. part of that is just getting up and down. But again, they, I mean, they got up and down. Unfortunately, they coughed up basically a quarter of their potential possessions. And we were wondering, all right, with no Draymond Green, we knew early Kevon Looney was going to get the start in place of Green. But would there be another lineup change? Would you get Kai Bowman back in there not having Draymond Green? The Warriors did not do that. They stuck with Alec Burks, who had been the, the primary ball handler in terms of bringing the ball up the court yeah. uh, with Glenn Robinson, with Pascal and and Kali Stein. And uh, they they probably could have used Kai Bowman to kind of settle him down, I think, in the in the lineup. Tonight, I think we learned. Yeah, I think we learned the difference between Alec Burks as the guy bringing the ball up with Draymond in the game and Alec Burks as the guy bringing the ball up without Draymond in the game. And I think just in general, on both sides of the ball, this is the sort of game that tells you what Draymond means outside of the stats. Like, it, and it's kind of unfortunate. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is it's a stupid example because we're in the middle of a lost year and we're comparing losses to bad basketball teams to one another. But the difference between a competitive loss to an Orlando team that's actually better than this Atlanta team and a non-competitive loss to this Atlanta team is Draymond Green keeps you organized on both ends of the floor. He just does. And they looked completely disorganized the whole way through, essentially. Yeah, a lot of disorder out there on the floor for the Warriors tonight as Atlanta beats the Dubs 104-79. The Hawks led by as many as 28. Uh, Eric Paschal, though, it was another quality outing for him in 36 minutes, the 24 points. Nine boards and six assists. Let's go ahead and hear from the rookie from Villanova after this one. I feel like we we're kind of frustrated, but I mean, uh, we're a young team, so we just gotta learn to keep playing together every night. I mean, uh, it's frustrating to keep losing, and we're all competitors. I mean, we play play this game to be to win a game, so it could get sometimes when they get on runs, we could get a little selfish, but. Something to learn from. Uh, I feel like we'll be all right. I mean, we have a day to recover and uh, back at it Wednesday. So I feel like we'll be fine. Does this feel like a step back having, you know, come with one shot against the Magic on the road? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it definitely feels like a step back. I mean, just getting blown out. But like I said, we get the day to cover, get the day to come back and uh, compete again. 
It's one thing that's great about this league. I mean, you play, play another game in two days. I know you haven't played much with him, but Kavon, what are your first impressions of now playing with him and just sort of being around him for a while? Uh, it's just hard. It's hard for him now because like he's just coming back, just getting back in the flow of things. But uh, he, great energy guy. I mean, just brings energy. He's been here, so he knows everything. And great guy to talk to, just uh, in terms of just learning the game. On a personal note, you completed your first month in the NBA. You're seeing coach, we trust you more. I mean, game is blossom. How does that make you feel? Um, I was it makes me feel good. I mean, I wish we had some more wins, but on a personal level, yeah, it makes me feel good. I mean, Coach, coaching my teammates give me a lot of confidence just to go play. So uh, that's the one thing that I really appreciate from them. How are you guys handling the frustration right now of being in some winnable games but not getting that result? Um, I feel like we're fine. I mean, we're just competing. I mean, we just have to keep competing and not really think about it too much. Just go out there, compete, and uh, play hard. I think tonight uh, definitely to use Eric Pascal's words, it, it is a little bit of a step back. A little bit of a step back, yeah. given how competitive that this team has been in, in games against not just other struggling teams, but te- you know, they, they've been competitive against some pretty good teams. I mean, think of how different this conversation would be if they had just lost 104-103 on a last-second Trey Young three-pointer, right? We'd be saying, ah, that's tough. Once again, couldn't close, but yeah, another pro- competitive effort. If you have Draymond, you might win that one. Exactly. And, and and instead, we're just talking about something that looked totally different. And, and I, there are going to be nights where they are forced into looking this bad. Maybe not in this way, but this bad because the other team is so much better than them. And, and I think this is something you kind of referred to uh, last segment. It's knowing that you're going to have those nights like the one against Dallas where maybe you could have lost by 30 instead of 50, but you weren't going to be in it no matter what you did. It's that much more defeating when you have this sort of effort against a a clearly bad team. I mean, even like look at the way they played tonight, the Hawks, and it's not great. They, nobody had a great game. I mean, Trey Young hit more shots than it felt like he yeah, should have. That's, that but, is part of why it is so disappointing. But he, Trey Young turned it over seven times. Yeah, and I thought when they blitzed him, it for the most part was it working. Worked. Yeah. yeah, and he also took, I mean, he shot over 50%, but a couple of his shots were god-awful, just terrible 45-foot threes or and, wild. Oh, and we talked about that before the game. Hey, exactly. those are opportunities to – be you know to make plays on the other end and get some easy baskets and it just it just wasn't happening the no. sloppiness the lack of ball movement and how many how many times in this game did the Warriors force a turnover have a three on two or a two on one and then turn it over themselves I mean that that's just not only ugly and kind of disappointing but not characteristic of what we've seen for the last week and a half Warriors wrap up. Brought to you by Realtor.com, the home of Home Search. John Dickinson and Matt Kolsky with you here on 95.7 The Game. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. If you want to weigh in with your thoughts on this one as the Warriors fall to 4-18. and 18. Let's uh, go ahead and hear from Kavon Looney as the Warriors 
Uh, get Looney back in the fold. He had played just the first 10 minutes or so of the season back on October the 24th against the Clippers inside Chase Center. The limit for him tonight was 15. The Warriors stuck to it as he comes back from the neuropathy. And let's uh, hear what it felt like for Looney to be back on the court. I didn't know where my rhythm would be and how my lungs would be, but I felt pretty good. You know, uh, each game, hopefully, I, I keep getting better and uh, keep getting the rhythm. Uh, you know, not gonna pull up, come overnight, but I uh, just want to keep uh, play, keep playing hard and uh, keep doing the right things. I know things come for me. How long do you kind of expect that process to get back into it? Uh, I don't think it would take take that long for me. You know, uh, you know, I usually got a good feel for the game, and once I figure out my my, my role and and where I can be aggressive and how I can help this team, uh, uh, usually usually comes for me. You know, maybe maybe take a couple games, three or four, five. And I don't, I, don't, I can't foresee the future, but uh, hopefully it doesn't take long. No, I feel comfortable where my game is at and where my body is at. And now I just got to figure out where I'm supposed to be on the court. You know, we got kind of a different system now, and as guys see coming in, the system kind of changes. So it's finding that chemistry and finding out where I, my role is going to be the biggest part for me. How, how different is it without Steph out there, without Clay out there, without Draymond out there? Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot different, you know. Uh, having three guys, three of the best players to ever play the game on the court is always gonna be different. Uh, just, you know, our offense is a lot different. We're running a lot of different plays and spacing is a lot different. So just, uh, just figuring out where, where you're supposed to be at uh, for me is gonna be was, is a big part. You know, uh, it took me a while to figure that out with them guys. Now I gotta kind of readjust and. Uh, I, you know, uh, it's not my first year in the league, so now I feel more more confident. I know more NBA sets. I know where to be. So I just will take a couple games to figure out with these guys. How much does practice and just film work help with that versus just getting out there on the court? Uh, it helps a lot. You know, I watch a lot of film, and uh, I've been practicing, but, you know, it's no more uh, – you know, it, it takes game experience. You know, and practice now around this time of the year, you don't get a lot of a scrimmage time. So I got to kind of learn on the fly. And, uh, you know, that's something I take pride in, be able to learn and, and having a high IQ on the basketball court and be able to fit right in. You know, that's something that I always had, took pride in. I, that's something I continue to, to take pride in. So I, I, feel, I feel like it's going to be no problem to take a couple games to go out there and figure out how to assert myself on this team. All right, so Kevon Looney playing the 15 minutes, two points, a couple of boards, a couple of fouls. And, and you know, Matt Kolsky uh, – Looney became such a perfect fit with the old Warriors, right? You got Curry, you got Clay Thompson, you've got Draymond Green, even Kevin Durant, and Iguodala was going to be out there, or Looney was going to be out there, and it, it became a he just became one of their you know five or six most important players on on a night in night out basis, you know, in a year that is about development. You know, the adjustment to you know using the fact that there is less overall talent on the court it was supposed to be an opportunity for Looney to really add to his game add to his skill set add to you know maybe his offensive game with the Warriors needing more punch from different areas I really hope that Looney gets back to a point physically where we can actually see that time pay some dividends yeah uh and and tonight I mean is a one-off tonight's just about getting back on the court and running around a little bit for him so I don't take really anything too seriously from it but I hope he gets to a point where you know we can see a little of the pick and pop game and a little of the three-point shot and a little of the touch around the basket maybe on some offensive rebounds that the Warriors wanted to see from him when they thought they were going to have a team that could contend for the playoffs that's all true and and he's still got plenty of time uh for that and I think we will see some of that I've always thought Kavan had a little more to his game than we got to see because of just the role he had and he is a guy who will willingly and determinedly accept whatever role he's given on this team. I mean, I think we've seen that. So 
I feel the same way. I was excited to see it, and I still think there's plenty of time for it. Um, I will say, though, you know, we've talked sort of about, boy, they've they've had eight or nine guys, and it's kind of been the wrong eight or nine. And, you know, dagnabbit, even as they start to get players who were part meaningful parts of championships back, it's still kind of the wrong guys. Because Draymond and Kavan kind of fall in that category. And look, very, very different players, very different level of players. I'm just saying they both fall in the category of great to have next to your scoring stars. And this is still a team without a single scoring star available to it right now. So does Kavan Looney step in as arguably one of the best two or three guys available? Yes, he certainly does. Is he the sort of player that's going to have a big effect on a team like this one? I don't know. I don't know. And boy, is it going to be nice, at least when D'Angelo Russell finally comes back. It's just, it's an element that there's no way for them to replace until he's back. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him get D'Angelo Russell back and, and then just figure out a way to play with him and Draymond and everybody else moving forward. Okay, get yeah. get him and Draymond. You know, Draymond doing the things Draymond needs to do. Russell being that lead dominant, you know, ball handling scorer. Let me ask you this. And and then everybody else can kind of fall in line and you can evaluate from there. If Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are the only guys out, what does the starting lineup look like in your mind? Because, I mean, I think we know Russell and Draymond are in it. Is anyone else guaranteed a starting spot? I mean, with, yeah, with I'd Pascal. Like, I yeah, I think Pascal would be in it. That what becomes tricky there is then you're playing Pascal at the three, which right. I don't love. Uh-huh. And then you know you've got Glenn Robinson the third, who has you're probably start. He has he has played better when he's been a part of bigger lineups. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you if this is crazy. What if I said I wanted to start Kai Bowman next to D'Angelo Russell? I don't think it's crazy, and I I actually I, I want to go. I can't remember the exact game, but there was one of the home games. They may have done that. Where no, where I actually had suggested on the oh. on the pre one of the ones with Whitey, uh-huh. one of the home games where you know you do the road game where they had Whitey does home games. And I said, and... you know what, I I might start those two together just just because it gives you an infusion of offense. Yeah, and Kai plays some D. Yeah, you know he's he's tenacious if nothing else. And then I think you could start Glenn Robinson at the third and uh, at the three and bring Pascal off the bench as sort of a, a hopefully explosive scorer. I actually think that's kind of an interesting basketball team. Yes, and I think it may have been when Alec Burks wasn't quite ready yet, uh-huh. so it was pretty early right. on in the season. Because I mean, I said, if well, you, you gotta you gotta just go with those two guys. At if this you're point. healthy and you started Bowman, Russell, Robinson, Looney, and Draymond. Yeah, I don't hate that. It's not bad. And all of a sudden, that bench has Alec Burks on it, has Eric Paschal on it, two guys who have shown themselves to be very capable NBA scorers. And and, and you've got all the guys who are already there, Marquise Chris and Omari Spellman and Jacob Evans would be healthy in that scenario. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not sure that's even a playoff team in the Western Conference, but it's a team that can be competitive most nights. I think the only downside is it it may hurt a little bit of 
the positional integrity in terms of maybe evaluation. Yeah. Like that might be the lineup that you go to if you're really trying to win as many games as right. you can. But if above you really want to see, else, you want to see Ken right? D'Angelo play some point guard. If somebody said, "Hey, you got to win as many games as you can," and that's the key to getting a, a, a number five pick, that might be it. You know, I, yeah. I think you may see them them do that. Whereas now they're in a position where I think you want to, they can afford to tinker enough right now, but evaluate in a manner that makes sense for the future. So you want to see D'Angelo Russell as the primary ball handler. Maybe you want to see Kai Bowman. You know, maybe you do want to see Bowman play with Russell at some point, just based on that could potentially be a bench combination next year. Uh-huh. Or if Bowman pre- is somebody that's on your roster or an emergency yeah. combination, you see how you can, exactly. you know, whether you can go to it or not. I just I tend to think of, well, who's going to be on the floor next year? If D'Angelo Russell's on the Warriors, who's going to be on the floor at the beginning of the second quarter with D'Angelo Russell? Because you know that that would be a, a point where Curry would be out of the game and they'd be looking for a, play, though, right? a means to let him get rolling. In, in the past, it would lead you to believe that, yes, it would be Clay because Clay would sub out and then sub back in and yeah. then sub out and then sub back in. It's going to be fascinating. Someone asked this question in the pregame, and I'm going to throw it at you now. Uh, do you think we're already putting too many expectations on next season's Warriors? No. No. In fact, I think there needs to be some expectations put on See, next I'm with you season's on this. Warriors. I'm gl- I think it's a fair question. No. Like, this isn't, but, This isn't. oh, you know what? The, the, the 1920 Warriors won 20 or 22 and got a top three pick, and now it's... Let's get to 35. No, no. it's... It's let's no, get it's, back into the top half of the playoff no, race. It is, exactly. Yeah. It's win 50 or 52 next year and and contend and maybe even be the most dangerous team not named the Clippers or the Lakers in the Western Conference. So, no, this season being uh, as dreadful as it is going to be for the Warriors in terms of wins and losses, it's all about getting right back close to the top next year and believing that you can win a championship if things break your way yeah and and, I mean look the year Mark Jackson's final year they won 51 games like yeah Stephen Clay should get you into the 50s you know I mean you'd hope the rest of your team well well you'd hope Steph Clay Draymond should get you to around 50 depending on how good the rest of your guys are so I'm I'm with you we are putting expectations on next year's team but I think we have to. And frankly, if we aren't, then what's happening now is all wrong. And I'll, you're right. And I'll be honest. To me, uh, you know, and look, this is just us talking here on December 2nd yeah. of 2019. Oh, but I'll say year. this. To, if, if you tell me that you fast forward to April of 2021 and you say, all right, well, where are the Warriors at the end of next season? And Curry and Clay and Draymond were all healthy. And, you know, that, that team better win close to 50 and if it oh, wins and if it, win and, and if it wins 47 it's probably a disappointment and oh, as I a six seed in the western conference it's probably a disappointment i 100 percent agree i mean barring injury looking at what you hope next year's team to be i would say 50 is the low end because they're, they're gonna have so many other means to get better whether it's russell staying or going as we mentioned on every show whether it's the trade exception whether it's development of the players that are here the over under before this season was 49 sure that may have been an overestimate, but that was for a team that we already knew wasn't going to have Clay for most, if not all of the year. If the perception of this team without Clay was to win about 50 games, certainly that should be the perception with Stephen Clay, assuming health goes according to plan. So, again, 
yes, we're putting expectations, but I don't think they're too big or too many. I think that is and for, and I think if you asked the Warriors front office and they were willing to give you an honest answer, they'd say the same thing. They're holding themselves to that standard next year because you know, that's why you sign Draymond to the extension. That that's why you don't look to move any of your stars during the season or this past offseason. That's why you make the move for D'Angelo Russell to have assets is because you're trying to win now. You think your title window is still open, and this is just a break, not not the end of it. John Dickinson, Matt Kolsky, it's Warriors Wrap-Up, brought to you by Realtor.com, the home of home search. Let's go ahead and hear from Bob Myers because he answered this question actually today on the Jim Rome Show, and there were a lot of terrific answers from Bob, as there typically are. Uh, but one of the things Bob got into with Jim was just how quickly the Warriors think they can get back to the, the winning ways. I mean, it could be next year. I mean, it could be at the end. I don't know. We'll see. But it, it's there. I mean, the pieces are there. We have to see it. But, you know, the, again, I mean, unfortunately, I, it, it, we haven't seen the true, even Clay being out uh, and Steph being out as long as he has. It's, uh, it's hard to really know. But I believe in those. Obviously, they've proven they can win and play together. Uh, but we have to now reestablish a new continuity, a new chemistry, and that takes a little time. But I'm confident you know, it won't be – what we can do next year, I'll be excited to see. But I do know this, what we will be, uh, and I think I speak for everybody, uh, m- most importantly the players, there'll be a new, I was sitting next last year at um, a regular season game, and a GM of the other team uh, came and sat with me. We were watching the game, and at the end of the game, uh, he, uh, we were, we were going to win the game. We were up 10 with about 30 seconds to go, and he taps me on the show. He's, he puts his hand out and says, hey, congratulations, and to shake my hand. And I looked at him and I said, for what? And he said, you guys are you're going to win the game. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, thanks. That, that, and that's not a made-up story. That's, I did not know what he was talking about when he uh. congratulated me. I promise you next year, Jim, when we were in regular season game, it's going to mean something. That's, that, that, and that's just what it is. You, it's hard not to get – I don't want to say complacent. I don't want to say – I don't know if entitled, but you do lose a little bit of appreciation when – I think last year, if you looked at the last three years at least, I bet we weren't favored in eight, nine games out of 100 and 200 games, to be honest. I mean, we weren't supposed to win 10 of them. And so you do get a little bit that, – that's not reality when Steve talks about reality. So from a player standpoint, the regular season and, and any win will be appreciated more. I think it will be fought for more. But I'm excited for it, too. I'm excited to see what we can do. All right, so there you go. And I referred to that story a little bit uh, in the pregame show. I think that's an overestimate of how many games they weren't favored in. Yeah. Like they were favored in virtually every game. It, I think it was it was maybe two or three a year. Yeah, and maybe I, a couple of more once they because there were a couple of stretches where last year there were, but a there few. were also a couple of stretches where they played without multiple stars, right? Right. Too, that's which true. I think factored into a few of those. Like there were games where they played without Steph and Draymond, or they played with. Uh, I was going back through March of eighteen. Guys, they they, were, they like were three guys out for a, yeah. A there were about three weeks point. where like everybody was out. I think except yeah. Draymond. So, first of all, I think it's worth saying you appropriately lose appreciation for a regular season win after five years of doing what they did. Like, I don't – it would almost be weird if every regular season win in 2018-19 was as exciting as the ones in 2012-13 for the Warriors, right? So, I think that's fair. Yeah, it got to a point, though, where it felt like none of the regular season games meant anything either way. And uh, two things about that. Number one, it may have gone a little too far. But number two, 
that is the best argument, I think, for why the cap spike and the whole Kevin Durant situation probably was not a good thing for the league overall, is it, it literally did make regular season games less meaningful. I mean, it really did that to the game. And I think while there may not be a lot of meaningful regular season games for the Warriors this year, going forward into the future, as they are competitive and healthy, there will be. And across the league, there are way more important, relevant regular season games all the time. So, so all that's good. But the, the other part of that story and, and of Bob Myers in general talking about when the win again and what it'll mean is hopefully that is something that this team can can build into these guys, if not for life, at least for an extended period of time. The value of a win in the NBA, what it takes to get wins in the NBA, and the appropriate positive feeling when it happens. Sure, and there were look, there was a three-year stretch where there was no team in the league that came close to wanting to win every game the way the Warriors did. 14, and that was when they 15, were winning. 15, 16, and 16, 17, the first year with Durant, yep. the Warriors wanted every possible game they could get. It really wasn't until the, the last two years uh, with Durant, and some of it was injuries, yeah. and some of it was just sheer dominance right. to where some of that wore off. John Dickinson, Matt Kolsky, Warriors wrap-up brought to you by Realtor.com. Uh, more from Bob Myers. We'll also hear from Kai Bowman and have our call of the game as we are with you here uh, following the Warriors' loss to the Hawks tonight. Hawks beat the Dubs, 104-79. Warriors' wrap-up continues on 95.7 The Game. John Dickinson, Matt Kolsky, 888-957-9570. Still time to sneak in a couple of phone calls if you'd like. It's Warriors Wrap-Up brought to you by Realtor.com. The home of Home Search. Butcher Shop will be open here coming up uh, about 10, 15 minutes or so as it'll be Covey and Chasky taking you all the way till midnight tonight right yeah. here on 95.7 The Game and plenty of reaction to the 49ers game. It's going to be lit if our if our uh, in-break preview was any indication. And also the big Seattle-Minnesota game, which is ongoing up north. Uh, Seattle up by 10 in the final nine minutes, but it looks like the Vikings are driving to make that a one-score game. So uh, – We'll see what happens there, but either way, the 49ers are, are in a position where they and the Seahawks both control their own destinies yep. at this point uh, between now and the end of the season. We heard a little bit from Bob Myers in, in his chat uh, with in his chat with Jim Rome on the Jim Rome show uh, earlier on uh, earlier today. And we were talking about how quickly the team can get back to winning. Yes. Right? And and one of the things for me that, that stood out, and, and you talked about what stood out for you, and it was it, it was just, you know, the, the value of a win and, and understanding that and hoping that you can have some young guys, you know, appreciate it. To me, it was – what stood out was the, the continuity and building a new chemistry mm-hmm. and having to figure out – it's not – you know, we often talk about the Curry-Clay – Draymond part of it as far as hey those guys are going to come back and that gets you to a certain level we were just doing it 10-15 minutes ago but the thing that I think at times is is you know we forget is how impactful Andre Iguodala was in all of that and and I know Iguodala could come back at some point 
uh, potentially. I Not bet on this that. season. I know. But he, I wouldn't even bet on that for next year. I, I wouldn't really either, but the Warriors it's been are, spoken about. Like It man. has. It's just the Warriors, I think, need more production out of their roster spots than Andre Iguodala can currently give anybody. I mean, he is best suited for a team like last year's Warriors, where the, to- the talent at the top is so incredible that if you can get 15 critical minutes and a ton of locker room support from Andre Iguodala, you're feeling good. I don't yes. think the Warriors want to spend their mid-level on 15 good minutes. Well, and the, to that point, I would say, well, it should be a veteran's minimum, not a mid-level. I'm not even sure they want to spend a roster spot on that, though. But I, I think I think they would gladly, if he would consider doing, and, and, and listen, the world we live in. I mean, Andre Iguodala basically told the, the Grizzlies, no yeah, thanks. I'm not showing up. <laughs> thanks, but no thanks, you I'm guys. not showing up. I'm taking my $16 million. You figure it out. Yeah. So to think that Iguodala would, would guaranteed be looking for a minimum and not a mid-level is probably a little bit foolish on, yeah. on the jump. Although, uh, to me, you know, it would it would need to be that for me to have any interest uh, in, in Iguodala. Uh, let's go ahead and hear uh, one more from Bob Myers. The big story as we shift from Monday into Tuesday is going to be Draymond Green in his jersey retirement at Michigan State, which is scheduled for tomorrow. Good feelings. Spartans taking on Duke, uh, and this is Bob Myers from an interview on the Jim Rome Show. Uh, with He was talking about his relationship with Draymond. The thing I like most about Draymond is that he's flawed, and that may not sound like a compliment, but um, he's real, and he's it's hard to connect with people in this business. You know, people you work with in sports are – it's very egocentric. It's, we, we get caught up in what, what is about us. and we, you know, even, even some of our players, they'll ask me a question, but, hey, how's it going, or how's your family? And I'll commend them. I'll say, great, good job. And they'll say, what? I said, you're asking questions. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like they have to work. Because so much revolves around them, and they're always the center of attention, it, it's hard for them. And I don't want to be too general, but you've got to be a human being, too. And so the thing I like most about Draymond is because we've been through a lot of good and some challenges, He's, he's honest, and he's kind of open, and he'll say, yeah, I screwed up, and he'll listen. And he's not super defensive when he makes mistakes. And so through all of the last eight or nine years, it's gotten to the point where we kind of know each other. But it takes years, man. I mean, it takes a long time. Everybody thinks, you know, we'll, we'll sign a player, and they'll say, you know, have you gotten to know him yet? And I'll say, it's only been two, three months. It takes time. And so, like I said, with the arena, with Draymond, it takes time. But to see him honored at Michigan State, it's, it's well-deserved. And he's a great reflection of what matters and was a great college player. Obviously, he's a great pro. But he's, it's hard. In this bit, like yours, Jim, you probably worked with a lot of people over the years. And you, you, we, we talk about this guy's my friend and I'll stay connected. But really, we, the truth is, sadly, we don't. But there's a few people you do. They come in town and you make an effort to go to dinner with them. Draymond's a guy 20 years from now. I'll go out of my way just because the guy's an interesting guy. He's, he's just, he's got a way, he's got a charisma about him. Uh, some people don't like him, but if they knew him, if they really knew him, I think they would. And so I'm, I'm honored to go and, and watch him uh, get that jersey retired. All right, so there's uh, Bob Myers on Draymond Green, and it's not— The whole Draymond is flawed, and yeah. that's why we love him thing. Exactly. I, I like it. Because that's, I mean, there is an element of reality to that. I don't know. I don't think well, he was deliberately taking shots at Steph Curry. But, I mean, it's hard to relate to the perfection that is Steph Curry at times. There is something about the imperfect hero, just that whether it's in fiction or in sports, that is identifiable. And I think 
Draymond's occasional struggles controlling his emotions. Draymond's, you know, frankly, struggles shooting the ball. Like, these are all things that we can latch on to and identify with more than we can with a lot of the biggest superstars. And he just, he, whatever you think about Draymond, he, I, I don't know how you could look at him and think he's not a very real person. Right. And, and I mean, look at the, the, just, you know, the relationship between Bob and Draymond where Draymond gets suspended in the finals and he's over at the Coliseum watching the game from the A's game, right? He's watching game five of the finals from the A's game and Bob's sitting over in the suite with him yeah. uh, and, and just the relationship that Draymond has with Steve Kerr to a point where, I mean, you go back to the game in Oklahoma City where there were some incredibly uh, just vile things said back and forth between between the two of those guys. And sometimes we make this too, too much of a trite thing, but that thing about you have to really have a lot of love to be able to talk to each other like that and get yeah. past it, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, you, I think... To, Toward, I mean, Kerr's going to this jersey retirement tomorrow. I mean, there is a there is a love there. I mean, it was you remember, Draymond at the very first parade. You know, had a couple on the stage, and uh-huh. it's you know, Steve hates me, man. Yeah. He he bleeping hates me. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. And and it's there is this like familial thing with Draymond that I think it it does create. And I don't want to say closer, but a different sort of bond with his coaches than almost any other player will have. And part of that is he's a coach's dream on the floor. But part of that, I think, is the kind of person he is as well. Let's go ahead and get to our call of the game. It's time for the call of the game. Brought to you by Metro by T-Mobile. Guy Bowman, lob, design play to Marquise Chris. Climb the ladder and throw it down, young man. Wow. That was the most impressive inside play we've seen tonight. Well-designed play by the Warriors coming out of the timeout. All right, so know that play tomorrow and listen to Jolo and Dibs here on 95.7 The Game. 9.30, if you can correctly identify the call we just played, you'll win $50 to Schroeder's Restaurant at 240 Front Street in San Francisco. The call of the game is brought to you by Metro by T-Mobile, the best deal in wireless. Matt, it's been fun the last two days. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday afternoon, and of course, you'll be back as you are every day, Monday through Friday, with Damon and with Ratto here on 95.7 The Game, beginning uh, at 2 o'clock. Yes, indeed. Talk All right. to everyone tomorrow. We'll uh, talk to you on Wednesday, and you'll talk to the people tomorrow. For Alex Scott and Ryan Mouser, I'm John Dickinson. The Hawks beat the Warriors tonight, 104-79. to Butcher Shop is next with Covey and Shasky. Uh, they will be taking your phone calls and reacting to all things 49ers between now until midnight. That'll do it. Good night, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.